Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a news story about your world. On the podcast today, we'll talk about the new health concerns surrounding vaping and the lingering threat of tobacco. Leading expert on tobacco use among Latinos, Dr. Eric Rodriguez, will give us insight on the addiction and resources to learn how to quit. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention LGBTQ scholars. The Point Foundation is the nation's largest scholarship granting organization for LGBTQ students of merit. Point promotes change through scholarship funding, mentorship, leadership development, and community service training. If you're an out high school senior with financial need and with a record of community involvement, make sure to apply. Applications for its new round of scholarships go live on Friday, November 1st. For more information, visit pointfoundation.org. That's pointfoundation.org. Good news. In the past decade, Americans have started in earnest kicking their smoking habit. Tobacco users declined from 21 smokers for every 100 adults in 2005 to only 14 smokers for every 100 adults in 2017. Bad news. Cigarette smoking is still the leading cause of preventable disease and death in the United States, accounting for more than 480,000 deaths every year. Even worse news, there's a new threat on the horizon, vaping. Introduced in the last decade, some users are now finding themselves suffering from illnesses. Recently, the CDC confirmed more than 800 cases of lung injury in 46 states as a result of vaping. 16 deaths have been confirmed. To help us understand how we went from seeing a downturn in smoking to an upswing in vaping, we talked to Dr. Eric Rodriguez, a biobehavioral epidemiologist who specializes in tobacco use behaviors and the social determinants of health among racial and ethnic minority and immigrant populations. His experience includes research in the fields of premature mortality, respiratory health among farm workers, and communicable disease investigation in a majority Latino county. Dr. Rodriguez earned his PhD from the University of California, Davis, and received intensive postdoctoral training from the University of California, San Francisco. Today, he visits the podcast to drop some knowledge on this new menace to society. So listen closely to help you or a loved one quit. I want to welcome to the show a leading expert on tobacco use among Latinos, Dr. Eric Rodriguez. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dr. Eric. Um, one of the reasons why we have you on this show is because we have this public health emergency that the CDC is like, well, scaring folks about vaping. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you, what you know about it. So the vaping is actually, I actually, let me correct that. 
I don't want to use the word vaping. I'd rather use just the word e-cig use. Um, the term vaping implies that it's water vapor, and it's not. It's aerosol made of a number of things, and we can talk about that in a minute. But um, e-cigarettes have been around, uh, at least in the U.S., since about uh, 2013. Um, and it was that was when kind of the large multinational corporations came in um, and brought it to the U.S. from Asia. And then later in 2016, the Food and Drug Administration kind of got wind of it, noticed that it was becoming kind of an issue, and then started kind of like thinking about what they were going to do. Yeah, it's been like amazingly like growing. I mean, everywhere I go, I see first it was it looked like a pen and now it looks like they're holding yeah. like uh, some kind of like a. a what do you call those dumb drives? Yeah, the USB drives. Uh, yeah. USB drives. And I mean, I turned around yesterday. I was having um, lunch with some a group of uh, friends. And I turned around and somebody was sucking on that. And I'm just like, I didn't smell the smoke or the vapors or whatever yeah. comes out of it. So it was just like really quiet next to me. And I'm like, what? what does he have in his mouth? Why is he chewing on a thumb drive? And it was a vaping. And thing. that's primarily because of Juul. Juul controls about 75% of the market um, market share among e-cigarettes. And that's what really scared basically all the, the public health community, particularly with respect to young people. And as you kind of like mentioned or alluded to, like there's been num a number of generations. And there's probably four that I could kind of describe. First is like the ones that looked like cigarettes you couldn't modify them but they were small they were tiny some were disposable there was a second generation which were a little bit larger kind of the shape of a pin there was a button where you could control how long the puff you took um and it had i think a little oh you could um you could replace the cartridge which was a new thing so you could have kind of like customized liquids the third generation were the tanks, which were large kind of handheld, almost the size of like someone's palm uh, with a large mouthpiece that had a very large battery, which increased the level of nicotine that you could consume. Also very modifiable. That was kind of the beginning of, of the customization. And now Juul that has uh, really taken off with kids for a couple of reasons. So you said the word that basically ties this all why people use this to begin with nicotine because nobody wants i wouldn't think anybody enjoys having all this stuff put into their lungs mm -hmm. but they get addicted to it because yeah. of this nicotine yeah tell me so i mean the way nicotine works is that it, when it's consumed, it enters the it enters your bloodstream, enters the brain, and then hijacks reward systems that don't would never have known of nicotine otherwise. And once they know of nicotine, they start craving it. And so what happens is that when your bloodstream, when nicotine drops in your bloodstream, the desire of the withdrawal to have more nicotine, whether it's from a cigarette or e-cigarette comes about and you need to titrate up or basically increase the amount of nicotine that's in the blood again to feed those receptors in your brain is kind of this continuous loop that never ends um with these cigarettes uh it's particularly dangerous for youth because youth their brains are still developing so it's more it can be more dangerous and more harmful um 
and then the reasons for um, e-cigarette use kind of harken back to the reasons why tobacco use, cigarette use took off to, uh, initially. There was a glamorization um, of using the product. It, made, it gave you a certain level of like status. It was passed on and shared. It was the cool. All the cool kids it, were doing it. All the cool kids were doing it. At, at the time, it was probably you know adults with tobacco, but this has really been targeted, particularly Jewel, and they're being investigated for it. Targeted for marketing to kids. Today, NBC reported that the CDC has confirmed 805 cases of lung injury illnesses. Mm-hmm. There's thousands out there, but they've confirmed at least 805. And across 46 states, and they've can and it's up to 16 deaths as of today. Yeah. Someone in Virginia just died today. Oh, I, I don't know if I heard. I heard about the 15th. I didn't think I heard about the 16th. Um, yeah, and with with those, it the kind of environment of what we should do in public health is is changing. The ground is moving. Um, I think you know primarily. With the uh, with those deaths and those illnesses, I think what's and well, was, at least what was initially thought was that there was some kind of contamination in the liquids. So, in short, don't trust the liquid that you're getting when you're buying a liquid to replace into you know your to to switch out in your e-cig. Um, but and they thought it was connected to THC to marijuana use, and but there's a couple of uh, cases that are nicotine or a couple of People who have lung, some amount of like lung disease or lung or the, whatever lung condition um, that smoke nicotine only. And so what is it that kind of ties all of them together? Um, no one really knows. And the They're investigation still trying to figure it out. Yeah, and the investigation is ramping up, particularly as it can as the epidemic expands to other states. So you've devoted your studies. Um, you got a PhD. Mm-hmm. You're an how do you say the word epidemiology? Ep- epidemiology. Thank you for helping me out. <laughs> what made it motivated you? Because you've uh, work studying Latino populations using yeah. tobacco. Yeah. What made you get into that field? I, my to get into well, the first one I started getting into uh, la- health among Latinos, it was just kind of a natural thing. I grew up in a county that now is majority Latino. And so as I went to undergrad and through my graduate programs, my master's, a fellowship after that, PhD, working with people at the university who were working with Latino populations were was very natural and easy and made sense. And it's under it's understudied. And it's a very, and one of the reasons to do so, it's a very understudied population. Yeah. So um, even more reason to actually make it into a career. Um, the tobacco stuff came about with a mentor of mine during my PhD. He was a pulmonologist and he was interested in um, lung functioning and why Latinos don't fit the classical paradigm of addiction. They tend to, in general, Although it does differ by um, national background, in general, they tend to be light and non-daily smokers, which is less than the average smoker. And no one still understands why. And so he was very curious in this and about this. And so um, I uh, or he took me on as a student and I did 
five years of research with him and that was the beginning of the tobacco Latino work that started the rest how, of my career. How many Latinos die each year because of tobacco use? That's, that's kind of a hard question, um, but we know that 400, because I, mean, I haven't seen specific numbers, mm -hmm. but uh, we know that 400, about 480,000 people die uh, in the U.S. per year from tobacco use. And, and they die because of uh, smoking-related illnesses like cancer, heart disease, stroke, and even diabetes. And it diabetes. helps bring on diabetes, which yeah. is the fifth largest killer of Latinos. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's <laughs> sidebar, like throughout health research in general, you always have to take into account smoking because it's almost always related to whatever health outcome you're interested in. That's how toxic it is. There is no safe level at all of tobacco use. That's it. Um, going back to your, to your question. Um, so if about uh, there's about 18% of the population in the U.S. is Latino. That leaves that makes for about 86,000, more little more than 86,000 Latinos per year dying of tobacco-related or cigarette use, uh, things specifically. Um, and so that could that could be like the whole population of um, Allen, Texas, which is north of Dallas, mm -hmm. or almost the whole population of Santa Barbara, California, in, in Southern California. So that's a lot of people every of year, people. and every single death is preventable. Every single one of them. Now, do those, do those deaths include secondhand smoking? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So not only are you in danger if you smoke, but the family around you yeah. and your I mean, friends. Right. Hence the reason for indoor smoking bans, because you can't... Back in the day, uh, in a restaurant, you had the smoking and non-smoking section, or even a plane, I think, like a smoking and non-smoking session. Mm -hmm. Well, smoke does not care where it entered the, the atmosphere. It's going to move around. And so if someone else is exposed involuntarily, that's not fair because they will suffer some amount of health consequence from it. Do you think the public is getting wind of that this is a crisis? Going back to vaping, that this is, I mean, just as bad as tobacco. I, 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 I'm glad to see that the public is becoming more aware that they shouldn't be trusting industry messaging and it is not the safe product that they necessarily thought it was. Um, but there's still kind of two arguments um, in general in, in public health. There are the, the harm reductionists and the preventionists. That's what I was going to ask you next. State and federal governments are like cracking down on vaping. I mean, you, every day I hear that some state governments are saying no, yeah, no e-cigs, but somehow the tobacco version of that e-cig is allowed, but all the other e-cigs are not. All the flavors. So why was this allowed in the first place? Didn't they do enough studies? <laughs> no, um, it wasn't studied. Um, they're usually like anything else. There's a long lag between the you know the entrance of a product onto the market and the time in which we know um, pretty concretely that there are these certain health effects, health outcomes that are causally related to the product. Excuse me. Um, so as I was like about to say, one of the complicating matters in this when e-cigarettes 
started to become popular 2000, like I said, 2013 to 2016, um, were the harm reductionists, which were interested in e-cigarettes because it could help um, someone who maybe hasn't successfully quit by other means to quit smoking. Um, the preventionists on the other side were worried that this product was a way for the industry to renormalize the behavior of tobacco use because we're already like pretty programmed to think it's not a good behavior to not do it indoors but with these cigarettes and there'd be no policies that um, take that take them into account you have a potential new opportunity for the industry right especially like for youth and young adults that like look your parents used to do that ugly nasty thing but this is cool and you could do it anywhere so there's been kind of a trade-off back and forth and over time we've kind of started particularly you know as of recently as you mentioned we're starting to see more of a shift to like okay this is a bigger problem in kids than we really kind of thought it was going to be so we need to do more and the food and drug administration has kind of basically gotten on board with you know going from more of a like harm reductionist stance to more of like no there seems to be more of an issue in in youth than we thought so we need to i don't know figure out some amount of like regulation sooner and how is the tobacco industry involved in the success of vaping (laughs) well uh altria which is the new fancy name for the old Philip Morris, owns 35% of Joe Labs. So oh. what do you think? Um, they're, they need this. They need something like Juul. There's another product they're going to bring they're bringing to the market that's actually currently on sale in Atlanta. Um, it's coming from Japan. They were testing it in Japan. It is similar to a cigarette, but maybe about half the size, and you stick it into a little machine that heats it. So it heats it like an e-cigarette and doesn't burn it like a regular cigarette, which then therefore creates less toxins because other toxins in a cigarette are created during combustion. Um, They need these things because they see the writing on the wall. They know that FDA has more authorities than they're currently exercising. So it is incumbent upon them to figure out something to survive. And they're one of the best kind of like survivalists as far as like businesses are concerned. They figured out a way to survive despite huge changes in like tobacco policy and tobacco behaviors. How long have you been like preaching this? I mean, you're my, <laughs> I've known you for almost like two years and I just think of you as a little Aaron Brockovich coming after e-cigs. I mean, we're at a, at a nice function and then... We found out that night that Joel oh, Labs right. was yeah, sponsoring was sponsor. the function, yeah. and you were like booing and yeah. hissing, and yes. I'm like, oh my god, Eric, yes. Doctor Eric, can you please calm Come down? down. <laughs> but no, it's like you were ahead of the curve. I, I mean, I just know more, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, it's I can't, I just couldn't tolerate it that night. Um, what was your question there? Was well, no, question just like, comments? you've been at this like for a long time. Preaching yeah. about it, how long? Yeah. Um, we need more of you. In other I, words, we need more yeah. people to be taking stands and to be going into this field of medicine and STEM careers and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, what keeps you going? 
Yeah, well, if I could like actually say, say one thing to that. Um, there was one uh, scientific conference that I just came back from a month ago. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of obvious is most people that are scientists are not trained to understand the, there's an industry behind what they're studying. And to inform the public and to convey, you know, messages that are understandable, um, you can't just say like, oh, it's not healthy and leave it at that. You really have to have a broader argument when the industry comes back with something that sounds better. I had a postdoc, an intensive postdoctoral training in tobacco marketing and deception. That's one reason why I'm able to kind of like be this like irritating <laughs> person when it comes to tobacco. Um, agitator. Agitator. Yeah, yeah, that's a better word. But I just want to say I'm very, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing trying to raise this issue with a lot of communities Thank you. coming on my podcast. And I really think that we need more people like you, especially Latinos that are going to science. Yeah. Tell me about that. Before we leave, I want to know what motivated you to go get your degree in science. I mean, for for me, the, I, I, I always wanted to be a doctor of some kind. I didn't know what kind. I finished high school and science kind of I liked the most and so I started exploring that I thought pre-med and I kept my eyes open to opportunities took the ones or took advantage of the ones that I could I did this one program that was in pre-med I said no not interested but it opened my eyes to something else to public health like oh what is so this? you got to sample so it all like it was all kind of this like back and forth like a pinball just kind of like learning about or you know going down an avenue like Oh, this is interesting, but not so much this one, but more this side. And so you keep going down the other line. You just keep moving forward and narrowing kind of like the field as you just expose some more things and learn about new things. So I think for like younger people, I would say like if you're remotely interested in any kind of like science, STEM field, like you are needed in these fields you, there's not enough latinos there's nowhere near enough and no, there are so many stem jobs out there and there's it is a a such a rewarding field and career that you will never imagine in your wildest dreams some of the things that you can contribute and the bigger picture things that your your name is on when you submit that scientific publication to that journal that will live in perpetuity like there, there's something to kind of just feel that I that I feel when that happens um, so I mean if you're kind of remotely interested just push yourself I know it's difficult I've been there and had to like deal with it but if there's someone that you you see at school uh, in a meeting you. well that, like, that you're seems remotely interesting talk to them because many of them most of them I would say almost all of them are interested in mentoring you to some extent and guiding you and providing you like information so you can kind of figure out what to do next and you just kind of keep going from there and keep pushing yourself and keep exploring well thank you so much eric before we leave do you have information on where people can if they want to quit smoking vaping where can they turn to so for to quit smoking um and uh vaping although that's kind of a newer area um, there's two kind of main things. The first one would be the CDC's uh, 1-800-QUIT-NOW, quit line, uh, phone, uh, phone line. 
the other is smokefree.gov, which has a lot of resources and can connect you to, to other um, services. Um, talk to your clinician, talk to your primary care, because they will have a number of things that's in their interest to help you quit smoking. Uh, and then if anyone else is in, uh, interested in other information that, but more while I talk about like about e-cigarettes and just dangers of tobacco use, uh, the Surgeon General, which they have a website, surgeongeneral.gov, and you can look up tobacco reports. Every so many years, they create a very thorough 500, 600 page report. Um, it, there's topic areas range, but there is one on health consequences. There is one on use among youth and tobacco use among youth and young adults. And then the other, which is the largest uh, nonprofit public health organization um, dedicated to reducing smoking, is called Truth Initiative. And their website is truthinitiative.org. I've seen their PSAs. Very yeah, they're, they're known for informing youth and young adults about the, the harms and dangers of tobacco and now e-cigarettes very creatively yeah. well thank you so much Eric for being on the show thank you Jesse I really appreciate all the information you're sharing today yeah thank you again